0: Just send us an email use the contact button on our website retirementunlimited.com or just give our office a call our phone number is 951-684-7011 the secure act and then the secure act 2.0 had a dramatic effect on required minimum distributions in other words if you have an ira if i have Mm -hmm. an ira and i want to give money to you there's there's it's no longer you can't just take it over your lifetime, your yep. expected lifetime. There's all these changes in Secure Act 2.0 that was just passed, it changed everything. I yep. mean, it really threw everything up in the air.
1: Yeah, this is for people who have inherited the main a big one. There's a lot of RMD changes, but the big one is if you've inherited an IRA from your parents, from someone else, it used to be that right. you could take that money out over the rest of your life. Right. It was a nice little benefit. Whereas now they've changed the rules and they've changed them all over the place. So to tell someone, hey, how, how can I take this out? The answer is we need to sit down and look at the details. We,
0: uh, man, and it's not just you, it's your your family, what you're trying to accomplish for your family. Yeah. It is really critically important that you have all those details so you get the mm-hmm. right beneficiary designations. And I think it's important for you because of your legal background. A lot of people think, well, this is just in my trust. So this will just follow my designations or my distribution right. based upon my will or my trust.
1: And right, and it, it doesn't, it's good for people to know that a trust or a will controls your your state. Right. So your home, perhaps, some checking accounts if they're in your name, anything you put in the trust. But retirement accounts, qualified accounts, they go by your beneficiary designation. So whoever you list on that kind of contract, that, that piece of paper, that's where it's going to.
0: They- yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for our listening audience, we, we have a client who the, the, the man who set it up named his trust. And there wasn't the right trust. And he's now created a real mess for his widow because of the way it was done. And of course, you can't go back and correct those documents after somebody dies. Yeah. So it's really critically important that we take a good hard look for our clients. We're constantly reviewing yeah. their beneficiaries.
1: And to keep this stuff up to date, not just yeah. who's named, but how, how the money is supposed to flow. We've talked about it before. Someone who's a, a very wealthy family, they might take a, a retirement account like this instead of naming their kids, they might name their grandkids, their grandchildren, and say, let's skip over here. Let's let the grandchildren receive this stretch over their lifetime.
0: Because over there. So for people listening to us, so the reason they would do that mm-hmm. is that their grandchildren, before the law was changed, if granddad died, the grandkids then would get this distribution mm-hmm. over their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So if you had a grandchild who was, let's say, in their 20s or 30s they would get distribution over potentially 50, 60 right. years. Which gives the money a time to grow and expand in a tax-free environment, which, which is great. And what's happened is that's all gone away. Yeah.
1: Grandchildren are ex- specifically excluded from the distribution pattern, right? Mm-hmm. That would allow them to get that, they call it a lifetime stretch. That, right. Uh, that would get, let them stretch over their lifetime. They're they out. And so for most people who are inheriting an IRA, if someone's parents or grandparents pass away with an IRA and you're inheriting it, you're likely, you know, again, there's so many caveats here, but you're likely enough to take it over 10 years. Right. And meaning that the, the government wants you to get that money out of that tax free environment. It comes out as of it's income. So you get taxed on it and then you receive it. For some folks, no big deal. I'm going to use the income anyways. It's great. For a lot of people, they're in their highest earning years. You know, if right. you're in your 50s or 60s still working and now you have, if you, your parents pass away and you inherit something from them. Now you have all this income on top of that, that you don't have a choice to elect to defer or to to push it off. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to jump into some of these rules. And there's there's a lot. lot.
0: There's a lot. I mean, we're not going to be able to get through all the details. In fact, We'll bore our listening audience to tears if we got down into the weeds with a lot of this stuff. But basically, it comes down to two things. So when did an IRA owner die? Mm -hmm. And where does the irony... Where did the IRA owner die before or after his RMD? Was he taking them or not taking them? Yeah. So there's there's these these are really critical dates. Yeah. Let's times. start with the first one.
1: So when they died, if somebody died in 1990, right, the old laws apply. We don't right. have to worry about any of this stuff. Whatever the law was in 1990, that that's what's happening.
0: So it's grandfathered in.
1: Yeah, grandfathered in. You don't have to change things. You don't have to right. go back and readjust it. However, from two, 2020 forward, if anyone dies. Past 2020, so now we're in the future.
0: Remember the Secure Act. The first one was passed in nineteen 2019,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and the other one came in what 2020, right?
1: 2022, just recently. 22, yeah, yeah. So it took effect 2020. So dying 2020 or later is going to be under these new rules. That's the first one. Is is when did the person pass away? The second one is say, okay, if you're under the new rules, if you they've passed away in 2021, 2022, and you're now inheriting an IRA, the next question is, the person who passed away, were they already taking Required minimum distributions from that account, or were they before that age? Which that age was generally seventy-two. Um, again, that also got changed, right? So you have to right. come in and do some math to figure out right. what, what age they were, what they were taking. And there was a lot of confusion here. And a benefit is that the IRS had to pass some rules to give people uh, waivers, you know, to waive the penalties. To say that there was so much confusion about what you're supposed to do, that it changed. So th- what some people thought was they inherited under the new rules. So if someone passed away in 2021, they received this inherited IRA. A lot of people were not taking um, RMDs. Right. And the way the lo- rules were written, written, that's what we went on as well, to say you don't need to take these. The IRS then came out with some later rules to, say, to try and clarify, to say if the person who passed away was already taking RMDs, whoever receives it has to continue taking RMDs based on the recipient's age. You know, again, a lot of com- complexity there, there built is, in that.
0: There is, I mean, we're just trying to get to the highlights of the yeah. things that people need to be aware of. And the bottom thing, bottom line is what we want to emphasize is you need to check your beneficiaries. You think you've done it. And we find it often again, you know, time and time again that people have not really gone through and analyzed their beneficiaries because it does not follow your trust or your other estate plan like your will.
1: Yeah. And they should for sure be coordinated. For like, sure. And but a lot of people think that because I did a will once or I did a trust once, everything is covered. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just going to close the book. But really, you're right. It's it's a good moment to really examine these things, make sure they're coordinated.
0: So let's talk about who is covered under the new act. I mean, obviously the first one is the surviving spouse.
1: Yeah. But rather than using, they have some very specific terms that get confusing. We'll just say that this golden group, this very special group is is your spouse. If you pass away and your spouse inherits your IRA, they get to pretend it's theirs. They get to stretch it out over the rest of their life, kind of acting just like it was you. It's it's the the golden group.
0: Those rules have remained the same.
1: Yes. Uh, so for those, for uh, someone who is a permanently disabled or chronically ill, they yeah. have some exemptions there. Um, so-, so minor children, are they get, they get the, the stretch until
0: they're 21. But exclusively, it prohibits naming grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So if the IRA owner, the participant names a grandchild as a primary beneficiary is excluded on the rules, they're not eligible designated beneficiaries. But a minor child of the account onerous, they get the stretch until they turn 21. And that goes to the 10, right? It yep. goes to the 10 years.
1: Yeah. So if if I were to pass away and my kids inherited an IRA from me, they would be able to use their lifetime stretch until mm-hmm. they reach 21. And at that point, then they have the 10 years, right. which is a benefit. It allows them to preserve a lot of that capital and not right. be forced to take it out. And
0: the next one is disabled. Yep. So if you have a child that's disabled as a primary beneficiary... Mm-hmm. And there's some very strict rules under the IRS that determine what a disabled yes. person is. So we call it asset test. They have to meet this asset test by the IRS rules mm-hmm. to be qualified as a eligible uh, beneficiary under this rule. Right, go through. And the other one is chronically ill individuals. Yes. So if you named a child or let's say somebody that it was you know, terminally ill or chronically ill mm-hmm. or something like that. Maybe had like MS or something like that. Again, there are, there are tests, specific rules. Yeah, specific rules. And um, individuals not more than ten years younger than the IRA owner or beneficiaries who are older than the IRA owners. Plus any. I mean, it just gets really yeah, complex. It, kind of going, it, right? it just keeps going down in the weeds. Right. And, and I see deeper. this one,
1: the, the that last one. I see the primary purpose is to cut out children. They're making it clear that if you are gonna pass this to your kids, you're not gonna get that lifetime stretch. Right. Um, and so that's the kind of like this golden group of people. They get a, a lifetime stretch. It kind of feels like the old rules. Everybody else, <laughs> you know, is in this next bucket. And the the, right. the the first, we call maybe the silver bucket, you know, they get a 10-year stretch. They get to take the money out over the course of 10 years. If if the person who passed away had not been taking RMDs, they can decide what they want to, then the inheriting person can decide what they want to do. Take zero, zero, zero and all of it. They could they could level it out, they could do a, a few different things. If the person who passed away had already been taking their RMDs, then someone who inherits it, even though they're under this 10-year rule, they need to take required minimum distributions each year, and then get the whole account emptied by the 10th year. So just
0: to kind of recap a little bit, because we've gone through, even just in this short time, we've gone through a lot of details. Yeah. So basically, if in fact you're receiving uh, distributions from an IRA from your folks, from your parents, and it started prior to 2019, you're fine. Yeah. You're, You're fine. fine that's not going to change it's after that so when is really important uh the other thing is is that are you an eligible defined beneficiary mm-hmm. and those requirements those are very specific if you fall in the rules so if your parent dies after a certain date or your spouse dies, you know do you fall into this category mm-hmm. um you know I haven't seen anything about marriage I haven't seen anything in the rules mm-hmm. so I wonder if somebody's just living together do they name their their partner mm-hmm. And uh, is that going to be qualified as an eligible beneficiary? Yeah. I don't know. I don't see any language that talks about yeah. marriage. It says a spouse, yeah,
1: spouse. and in, in the rules, if they were say your your uh, significant other was eleven years younger than you, they're probably going to get caught in this rule and 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 have to go into the ten year distribution. If they're eight years younger than you, uh, maybe you're fine. Maybe it's yeah. still functional. But that, that's a specific question that we that would depend on the specific. Situation. I think there's going to be a lot of misinterpretation
0: mm-hmm. of this, and say, "Well, we've been together for you know 20 years. Yeah. I'm a common law husband or common law wife. I don't know it. I I haven't read the language, so I don't know specifically. And I think yeah. that's going to be interpreted somewhere in court.
1: Yeah, it probably will be. And so as we transition to the, the the most favorite group that gets a stretch, you get the 10 year group. And there's, I would say, this least favorite group that only gets a five-year stretch. And not to say you have to work to get there, but they've tried to make that a very small bucket. Right. It's usually mistakes. We've had clients where they've ended up there because there was mistakes. Before they came to us, they had set things up inappropriately. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the framework. The, the piece that you just mentioned is really interesting of the trap, how you going to get here. They've changed some of these rules on the the penalties for this. A penalty for not taking an RMD, a required minimum distribution. Used to be. Used to be 50% is the yeah. penalty. So that's huge. You know, to Think if you had a you know, $10,000 RMD that's supposed to come out, and then now you have to pay a $5,000 tax bill to the government because you forgot to take it. It's, it's a massive uh, penalty. And part of that is that the, my understanding is the IRS was not dedicating a lot of resources to enforce this. But if they caught you, if there was an audit, there was a very massive penalty. And so people would take the RMDs. Right. Well, what they're shifting as part of this whole framework uh, is that 50% penalty has gone down to 25. Mm-hmm. So it's a 25% penalty. But on top of that, if you remedy it, if you notice it, and you fix it within a reasonable amount of time, and that's there's some rules of what that is, um, roughly two years or so. But there's some other rules on that. Uh, it goes down to a 10% penalty, which in my mind makes it much more of a something that people can remedy. If your CPA notices it, hey, you're you're older and now, we, and-, and
0: we've had clients who uh, just through ignorance were were kind of trapped, and they hadn't take RMDs from their from their deceased spouse or something like yeah. that. And um, immediately, what we did is we, we got counsel and talked to mm-hmm. a CPA and said, yeah. okay, what how do best
1: fix this? I, I think so. You couple that, you know, th- these decreased penalties with they also pass a, a three year statute of limitations, right. saying, anyway, there's, there's some, some ambiguity there. But under the 10, once you file your tax return, a 1040 for most people, when you file that, that starts a three year clock. Um, so they've re- reduced the penalties, put in a clear statute of limitations. And then as part of this 2020 2021 and 2022 there's been a lot of waivers of these penalties because of the the confusion they created right so with that if you have a three-year statute of limitations in the last three years everything's been waived it gets people in a position where they they get to not say walk away clean but they get to start doing it right for 2023
0: and i think the most important thing we want to get across to you the people that are watching this this uh, podcast and and listening to us on the radio this has changed, and it needs somebody to clarify it for you. If you're, if you have questions in your head, uh, are my beneficiaries correct under the new law? And if you've been married maybe more than once, or you have mm. children, you know, you need to sort this out in such a way that it's clear for you what you want. And what I'm trying to get across is that if you've done your estate plan, and you think you've satisfied all of your distribution requirements, that is not true. You have not beneficiary designation trumps an estate plan. And you have to be aware of what your beneficiary designations are. And you can't just name your trust because that could be the worst thing you could do mm-hmm. if it's not set up correctly. So for those of you that have questions, we challenge you, you should reach out to us, go to our website or give us a call, 951-684-7011. Make sure you have clarity because if you don't, the IRS is going to take a big hunk of your retirement accounts out. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about updates in Medicare and Social Security. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. 8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. So we just got through talking about required minimum distributions and what the SECURE Act did. Now let's kind of transition to Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. Okay, this is exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we're trying to be a little bit exciting because things are changing in Social Security and Medicare. Right. Most people discount that um, and say, well, oh, that's for the future, That that's for later. But once people get to these ages, it, it's a big deal and kind of getting the right elections and the right selections. Right. It is. So Social Security uh, back in 1979, 1981 had some really big increases. We were experiencing hyperinflation. Uh, they got some big increases. I
0: wasn't on Social Security then, but I was alive. Yes, right, right. You're
1: there. <laughs> Um, but then since then, it's been minimal. You know, right. they've been minimal adjustments. Well, right now, we're just the year 2023, we're having 8.7% cost of living adjustment, which is huge for Social Security. We've not had that type of increase in many, many years, decades even. Um, so for a lot of folks, their checks are just getting bigger. And that reflects, you know, you joke about, you know, the price of eggs or all the gas was, I mean, those have been short-term spikes, but the longer term inflation, the cost of living that we're experiencing, um, this is what this adjustment is for. Right.
0: So they're trying to make uh, Social Security recipients their benefit to be adjusted to the cost of living adjustment. Now, again, it, this is only done once a year. So they do it through the year. So it's mm-hmm. in your January you know, you might have experienced cost of living adjustments or increased uh, prices on goods that you buy, you know, last year prior to mm-hmm. January. But the uh, government does an analysis, and then on January, so then your payments. Now again, they don't retract. We've never had deflation. Mm. Um, I, I don't even. I, other than the Great Depression, I don't know if we've ever had deflation, and that was prior to Social Security. Yeah. We've always had inflation. That's one of the reasons why. The government is always so concerned about deflation. They want to make sure it's kind of like the Goldilocks moment. Mm-hmm. You want to keep in a certain dollar amount. So about two percent has been seen like, like that mark of the benefit, and, we're, and that's what the Federal Reserve is trying to get down to. But if you're a recipient, you're going to get the largest increase since the early seven, early eighties, late seventies, and it's yep. eight point seven percent. Yeah, that's a big that's a big jump in your Social Security it's benefit. A big jump,
1: and just part of the the stuff we're looking at the the average benefit. Is one thousand eight hundred and twenty-seven dollars, right? Which, of course, everyone's is different. You know, that's just the, the middle piece. But that that comes out to about twenty-one, almost twenty-two thousand dollars a year. And so, as people think about their retirement income, to say Social Security might be, you know, on average twenty-two thousand of of my future a year. And that, that that's that's a meaningful piece, but it requires other pieces. And I think right. that's, that's a lot answer. of what we talk about with our clients. You know, Social Security is interesting and useful, but if it's it's all you have, it's going to be that's, difficult. That's not good. Yeah.
0: Um, but again, the other thing, the offset is that last year, we actually had Medicare premiums exceeding what the cost of living adjustment was for Social Security, but mm. they did an adjustment on that. Yeah. So actually, in, in um, when, it, when they worked it out, your cost of living adjustment on Social Security is higher than your increase in Medicare premiums that you pay. Yeah. Now, most people that your basic Medicare premium actually went down a little bit. Uh, it's down slightly from the $170.10 per month, and it dropped back down to $164. Whoopee, mm-hmm. right? A few dollars. But there was there was a legitimate adjustment that you had more income yep. from your Social Security to help offset some of these Medicare costs.
1: Yeah. And for someone who uh, I think of, you know, a little, little grandma type thing who's struggling and, and just tied to the Social Security, this together, these two could. could Together could feel like a really good benefit, right? A really good boost to what they're doing, right? But the, the third part I just want to touch on is is kind of the enrollment. And I've had a number of folks who I think they don't understand this fully or they weren't aware of it. Is the enrollment window? Um, you know, we had a client who got a notice not too long ago that said that they were their Social Security benefit was going to be changed if they did do something. And they right. thought, what is this? Well, it, it was their Medicare enrollment. To say if you don't enroll in Medicare during your enrollment window. Than your Security and there's, and there's a
0: difference in age issue, right? So why, why don't you address the difference in age?
1: Yeah. So the, the window generally is uh, three months before you turn 65 and then three months after. So it's a roughly six month period that you need to enroll. You can roll early, control roll after. And Medicare is at 65, folks. 65. That's the key. And it has not changed. All all these different ages that we've talked about that change and adjust and shift. 65 is still the Medicare age.
0: And typically for Social Security, it's from as early as 62 and as late as 70. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people kind of interface Medicare and Social Security under the same age issues, Great. but it's not. They're two different, they're two different yep. calculations.
1: And for most people, the the full retirement age, you know, the kind of the for a lot of folks, the earliest you'd even want to take Social Security is actually 67. Um, so even that doesn't align up anymore with what it is. So, with, with Medicare. Yeah. Medicare
0: is 65 because a lot of people say, well, I'm taking my Social Security. I should apply for me, you know for yeah. Medicare. So you as know?
1: you yeah. and the people around you have birthdays where they're turning 65, right. it's a moment to think about have you enrolled. Have you enrolled in Social Security or have you enrolled in Medicare? Have you received the best benefits for you? And we, we don't advise on, on this directly because there's so many good advisors that we work with that get into the weeds. I mean, we have one that will take your prescription list and go through all the medication that you're on or, or not on. And and help you pick the exact best Medicare plan that's gonna be the most cost effective. You're part and, D, right? Yeah, and, and good for you. And, and those are levels of analysis that are so useful. But um people who try and go this alone, it's hard to know. So having someone help you get signed up during that window, right around your 65th birthday, I think is, is a fantastic and, and again, way to do it.
0: And and other things to point out is that these advisors that we we point our clients to, they don't charge anything for this. And there's no commission, there's nothing. They get compensated obviously for the work they do from the providers, but they don't charge the client. So they're giving yeah. all this in their their wealth of information, knowledge. Yeah. They are literally immersed in all this all the time. For us, it would be a detail that we would we probably wouldn't do as well as they would.
1: Yeah, right? they, they can specialize it. And I think that's a great comment that you're not going to pay extra or lose some benefit by, right. by going through that. Um, so there's, I think, the big changes that have come up. So you have a big increase in Social Security. Medicare Part B has gone down. And the enrollment, you still have to enroll. I guess that hasn't changed. But I think it's just a reminder that, that I've had a number of folks who are unclear of when, when and how they have to get in connect with, with Medicare. And
0: your Medicare premium
1: that you pay is
0: based upon your, as they call IRMA, which is really kind of a weird thing, but it's income-related monthly adjustment amount. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if I'm listening to somebody saying, well, I I pay $164.90 for my Medicare, that kind of tells me what their income is because that's between a certain level as far as your income requirements for that. But if somebody's saying, I don't pay that, I pay a lot more than that. Well, it's because their income from the previous year was adjusted higher and Social Security can actually increase your cost for Medicare. And it actually goes up to, if if your joint incomes are above Mm $194,000, then your cost for Medicare could be as much as $395 per month. That's substantially greater than the 164 dollars a month. So it's all based upon that previous, yeah. you know, that Irma, I guess. And so
1: when people start taking uh, Medicare, it's a question of are they still working? Right? Right. If they're still working in in well-paying jobs, it's going to be more expensive for a bit. And this isn't if someone's making that kind of income, this probably isn't a meaningful shift.
0: And again, it, it comes down to tax planning. Also, yes. for some clients, we've done this for tax planning. And this is we're not taking this space right now to talk about it, but this is where you can give charitable, qualified Mm -hmm. charitable deductions to reduce your IRMA.
1: Mm -hmm. Your
0: IRMA will actually reduce and you end up paying a lesser Medicare premium.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It all fits together. I think that's part of why we try to be holistic. You know, everything we do is to say it's not just, you know, earlier segment, it's not just your trust. It's not just your beneficiary designations and here it's not just the amount you make it's all of it working together
0: so if if you've listened to our program today and you have questions i really do encourage you to reach out to us either go to our website and go to the contact button we'll reach out to you and schedule a time that we can talk to you Um, there's a lot of issues here and it's a lot of detail we can't cover them all in this particular segment of the program so we encourage you to make the right steps so that we can help you make the smart decisions about your money until next week folks May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371,
1: retirementunlimited.org.
0: Advisory services offered through Tricord
1: Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Clearing through TD Ameritrade member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.